0: That's it. Rev- Revelation 3:20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Okay. <laughs> Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And again, I want want us to look at these uh, these passages here uh, because we are preparing ourselves as a church, to nominate and vote on uh, some candidates for the office of deacon or deaconess. So I want us to look at these p- passages. We could have looked at, at several. Just wanted to focus pretty much on Acts chapter six. Um, although we don't necessarily know that um, I, I'm hold that uh, Acts chapter six is speaking of deacons per se. Uh, but I do believe that they are whether this group of people, the seven, were the forerunners uh, uh, to this role of deacon. So I want us to make sure we look at that passage um, and see uh, the role of deacons. And today I want to look at First Timothy, Chapter three, in order to to um, look at the qualifications of deacons. Okay. So when First Timothy, Chapter three. Uh, And today, I want to use the subject, qualified to serve. In 2010, news broke about a cardiologist named William Heyman. Several doctors that worked with him at his hospital spoke of him, um, spoke of how great he was and how they were impressed by his knowledge and even praised his ability to perform complicated procedures as well as teach other doctors. One doctor said he focused on his experience as a pilot. He was a pilot for United Airlines. um, And he used these skills to develop computer simulations to implement team strategies to expedite patient care and to develop checklists to assure uh, that the American College of Cardiology recommendations were being followed. His colleagues even said doctors at other medical centers were impressed by the lectures that he gave at various meetings and conferences. William Heyman sounds like a very impressive person and doctor. There was only one problem. His MD degree and his PhD degree were both fake. He simply made up having an M.D. and a Ph.D. He had, in fact, attended medical school, but he never graduated. He did not possess the qualifications and credentials to serve in the p- a position that he desired. The article goes on to say that cardiologists use this story as an example of the need for national medical organizations to perform stricter checks on physicians, making sure they have the degrees and licenses that they say they have. Luckily, this story was not tragic. Over the years that he practiced, (laughs) William Heyman never treated any patients. He was only interested in teaching other doctors. But we all can readily see how an unqualified doctor can pose a serious threat to the physical health of many people. And yet we don't always readily see that the threat um, unqualified church leaders pose to the spiritual health of the church and its members. It is important have qualified doctors in order to protect the lives and health of patients. And so it is also vital that we do the same thing for church leaders, because we are not only affecting people's lives, but we are also affecting their souls. And this is the issue that Paul is addressing for us in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Just like Uh, This uh, man, William Heyman, uh, needed to be qualified or licensed in order to uh, practice uh, medicine, right? Paul is concerned that we have church leaders who are qualified. I won't use the word licensed because that uh, specifically um, deals with something that we do currently in churches. um, But that was not in Paul's mind. But his concern really is to have qualified church leaders Uh, because we are dealing with the lives and souls of God's people. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I'm just going to primarily focus on verses 8 and following. Listen, what Paul says. The saying is sure, and, and again, I know we look maybe looking at various translations. Okay, Some may still have the New King James Version, but we, we've, we're switching. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard. All right. Um, verse, um, verse 1 says, The saying is sure, whoever aspires to the office of bishop desires a noble task. Now a bishop must be above reproach, married only once, temperate, sensible, respectable, hospitable, An apt teacher, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, keeping his children submissive and respectful in every way. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, He must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace in the snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be serious, not double-tongued, not indulging in much wine, not greedy for money. They must hold fast to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them first be tested. Then, if they prove themselves blameless, let them serve as deacons. Women likewise must be serious, not slanderous, but temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be married only once and let them manage their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Without any doubt, the mystery of our religion is great. He was revealed in flesh, vindicated in spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among Gentiles, believed in throughout the world, taken up in glory. Real quick, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for... Uh, allowing us to be able to read your word. I pray that you would give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your word. I pray that you would even give us hearts uh, to obey. Help us to see that these qualifications are uh, spread throughout uh, the New Testament and should be uh, the characteristics of all Christians. Um, and, and yet, uh, it should be um, you know, obvious that our Christian leaders really exemplify these characteristics for other people to follow. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, would open our eyes and help us to see and understand now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want us to first uh, look at verse 14 and 15. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. The pillar and bulwark of the truth. Now, I think that um, uh, my seminary professor is correct when, when I was we were working our way through First Timothy, and uh, he says that he believes that that verses fourteen through sixteen are the central verses of First Timothy. That the entire book centers around these verses. Um, Paul. The whole point of the book of First Timothy is to teach us how to behave in God's house. Okay, and so every single section is related to that idea. How should we re- act in church? So, the reason that it's important and why the 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 book centers around how we behave in church is because the church is, uh, and I, and 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 I love to switch back to the New King James Version, because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, okay, I don't really like the word bulwark, okay, but because most of us, anybody know what a bulwark is? Exactly, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, so, so this is about, so the point is that the, the, the Greek word um, really would be more of what we would say is the foundation, okay, so so the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Okay, just like when you build a house, you start with the foundation and then you erect. You know, if you got money, you might have pillars at your house. I don't know. I just use we just use studs, you know, with with studs. But, you know, if you got money, you build you, you might have some columns and pillars in your house. Right. But the whole point is that your roof. is supported by the foundation and the wall system. Right. And if the church is not strong, it will not be able to withstand the pressures of the world on the truth. So, in order to have a strong church, you must begin with strong leaders. Your church will never be more strong than the people who lead your church. And so, Paul here wants to make sure that all of our church leaders meet the highest qualifications and standards. Okay. Now, um I've said this before. Um so I'm just going to run through this list. I'm not going to spend try to spend not, not try to spend too much time on each one of these characteristics so we can get out on time. There's a lot of them. Um but I'll say it again since the you know it's been some years since we've looked looked at this passage but um no one person 100 percent meets all of these qualifications, okay? Nobody, okay th- th- This bar is set extremely high. okay? However, um, those people who um, aspire to become and who actually do become uh, Christian leaders, they should you know and I, I mean, let me just say this: 16 above shouldn't be passing. Okay, <laughs> okay, uh, you know I I I know in in school now right they can't give you below a fifty. It's like if you just if you just try we give you a fifty. Okay, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the standard that we have for for Christian leaders, right? We should look at people who are Christian leaders and say, wow, all of us have flaws, but they are ex- they're aiming to try to meet all of these qualifications. Okay, so I don't want us to Especially even with the group of people that we are are about to make, um, you know, make deacons. I don't want us to 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 say, hey, you know, they they don't meet one hundred percent all of these qualifications, right? You know, they got like ninety of them, so we just gonna vote no, <laughs> okay? But but the the the, the ideas are they are s- aspiring and working towards meeting these qualifications, okay? So let's run through run through the list here, and and um and we'll be done. Okay? First, I want you to look at verse 1. The first thing I want you to look at verse 1, and and what I want us to see here is being called is not a qualification for, for being a church leader. Okay? Being called by God is not a qualification for being a church leader. Okay? Um, I've run into trouble with this, one. God called me, you got it, No, I don't have to do that, I don't care if God called you, I just don't, I don't, I don't see any Bible verses about this person was called into, you know, and I know Paul does say, God called me, but check this out, here's what the Bible says, first, the Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen, (laughs) okay, Many are called, but few are children. Second, we see throughout the New Testament that everybody who was called had to be recognized by their church. And if the church does not recognize you, you weren't called. <laughs> okay? Now, let me say this. This whole idea of being called for ministry is not even biblical. Listen to what Paul says in verse 1. Verse 1 he says, whoever is called to the office of bishop has been called to a noble task. Is that what your Bible says? Doesn't say it. Doesn't say it. New King James says, whoever desires the office of bishop desires a noble task. New Revised Standard, um, whoever aspires to the office of bishop desires a noble task. The first thing we see is that these positions are not based on calling. They're based on desire. Now, we've talked about this before, and I've, I've, I've explained my view on how I think that having the desire to be a church leader is in, in some sense itself a call. Right. Um, but this is the point that Paul is making. I think that John MacArthur is absolutely correct when he um, explains what the, the Greek words behind aspire and desire mean. It means one who outwardly pursues something because he is driven by an internal desire. If you have a desire to be in this role and you are pursuing this role, right, that's a good thing. We need more people who desire to lead God's people. And so they are are pursuing that role. Doesn't have to do with anything about being called. It's about having an inward Desire, and if you have this inward desire, Paul says you are desiring a good thing. Now, notice he does not say that those people who desire this role—and of course, I'm not going to go into you know the, the the word bishop here, right? My viewpoint is that bishop, pastor, elder is all the same person. Okay, I do not believe that the Bible supports um, how we view it today, right? That you know um, that you are an elder or minister. Then you become a pastor when you have your own church. And then you get other churches under you and you're a bishop. That is not biblical. Okay. The word b- bishop, pastor, elder, all of these words are interchangeable of the same person. Okay. I am an elder. I am a pastor. I am a bishop. Okay. Because all the words are interchangeable. It's talking about the functions that the one individual person plays. Okay. So, you all can call me Bishop Laurie. Mm-hmm. And I'll go get the little pointed hat, you know. And <laughs> okay. But notice he does not say that a person who desires this thing or a person who is called, that you have to let them serve. He says, Now, a bishop must be above reproach, all right? He goes right into saying a person who has this desire, they must meet certain qualifications. They have to meet the qualifications. And notice if you, I'm not going to reread this list, but notice Paul does not say they must be a good preacher. They make people shout. They make people dance. Or as I was told, you're not going to make a good pastor because you don't know how to shout the people up. Okay. Notice the list that he gives, he talks about the person's character. And only once does he mention the person's skills. He said they must be able to teach. But everything else is about the person's character because in ministry Character is more important than your skills. If you can't do get ready, get ready, get ready. All right, that's my okay. In my TD Jake's voice. And make everybody fall all out on the floor, but you have good character, you are a good shepherd. Character is more important than skill. Let's skip to verse 8. I don't I'm not gonna look at the qualifications for uh for a, a bishop. We've gone over that before. Okay. Let's focus pretty much on verses eight and following. Those qualifications for deacons. Excuse me. Again, I'm not gonna spend too much time on this. I'm just run through this list and be done. Okay. I explain each one and, and then I'll be done. Now we're talking about deacons, okay? And, and in order for us to understand uh, what deacons are. Right. We looked at different passages. We looked at Acts chapter six last time um, to see what the original and to my, and my um, in my opinion, the original um, uh, forerunners to the deacons, what they did in the church. OK, they handled the physical needs of the people. Okay, So the word deacon just means to serve a servant. OK, just like the word minister means to serve but we serve in different roles, right? Deacons are servants of the table. This we saw in Acts chapter 6. They take care of people's physical needs, whereas ministers are servants of the word. We deal with people's spiritual needs. And both groups are needed in the church. So, originally, uh, the word for deacon referred to handling menial tasks like serving tables. Okay, so in Acts chapter 6, the widows were not getting their... Um, that needed ration of food. So instead of the the apostles stopping preaching the word and counting out canned goods for each person, okay, we say, well, let's let somebody else count out the canned goods. Let's have someone else serve tables. But this idea of deacons came to denote any type of service in church. Deacons serve under the leadership of the elders, helping them exercise oversight in practical matters of church life, the Bible assigns no specific task or functions to the deacons. They are to do whatever task the elders assign them. OK, so so it's a it's a catch all group. OK, so any physical need that comes about in the church is the role of the deacons as they are assigned to them by the pastor, bishop, elder, the deacons. I mean, I'm, I'm elders, this, this group. Now, notice here in verse 8, he starts by saying deacons likewise must be. So, in the same way that someone who wants to be a pastor must meet certain qualifications, someone who wants to be a deacon must also meet certain qualifications. And this is the point that I try to, you know, label on with the, um, the group that I've been working with for the past year on this is, they have to recognize that um, the same standard that I hold myself to, I'm going to hold them to Kay. Kay. because you are going to be an example for other people. So likewise, in the same way that pastors must meet a standard, you must also, in the same way, meet certain qualifications. Let's run through the list. Number one, he says that they must be serious, or in other words, they must be reverent. This means that they must be serious in mind and in character. They must not be silly or flippant when it comes to important things, okay? Now, I like to laugh and joke, okay? Um, sometimes people say more than I should, okay? Um, but when it comes to serious things, like, I, I could take it serious, okay? Um, when you have people who are too immature to handle serious situations, those people should not be considered deacons. Okay, we're gonna you're gonna be handling very serious matters in people's lives. Number two, he says that not only should they be be reverent or serious, he says that they should not be double tongued. They must not be a person who says one thing to one group of people and something different to another group of people. Okay, they, they must not be hypocrites. They cannot have speech that is hypocritical, but they must be honest and consistent. They must be people who are not people-pleasers. Right? And, and this is a very serious qualification because in church, people are going to press you right, to be a hypocrite. They're gonna press you. Yeah, I know Pastor said this, but what you think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? And so that that people they're going to press you in order to be swayed by dif- by different groups. You must be a person that is not double-tongued. You must be able to say the same thing to everybody at all times, including myself. Okay. So I've, I've I've told them: listen, if you don't agree with something that I say. Don't sit in the meeting and be like yeah, 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 we agree, Pastor. And then you go out and then meet and be like, yeah, I don't agree with all of that. Okay, right? Say what you think. You have to be a person with integrity. Pastor, I don't agree. I don't. You know, this is what I think. Right? We have we have to be people who are not double tongued. Number three. They must not be given to much wine. <laughs> okay. Now I just wonder, right? Sometimes I'm like, well, what, what, what's the definition of, of much wine? You know, you know how church people are be like, you know, pastor, see, I, I'm giving to some wine, but not much wine. <laughs> okay. Okay. But here's the idea. The idea here is that they must not have a reputation as a drinker. Okay. When people think about you, do they think about alcohol? Okay. When When, when people think about when they hang out with, every time we hang out, it's always around a drink. Okay. Like, you shouldn't be a deacon. Okay. Okay. Um, th- this th- The idea is that the person must not be preoccupied with alcohol. It doesn't mean that they cannot drink. Okay. Because, um, again, drinking, you know, alcohol, it's not a sin. Okay. Um, but it should not be a characteristic that people think about when they think about you. They must not be greedy for money. (laughs) Now, again, many of these qualifications are also repeated uh, in the first section, verses 1 through 7, when it's talked about the um, the bishop. Um, So, again, he says they must not be greedy for money. They must be people who, number one, can handle their own financial affairs, and number two, they must be people who are not constantly pursuing money. Because... You don't want someone again, in the early, um, from a, from an early church perspective. These are people who would have handled the finances of the church, being able to give out the resources to help people in need. You must not have people who are tempted to use their office to make money. I was talking to the um, to the to the group, and they were like, well, "Is this, is this a really a big issue?" Listen. They're gonna be helping with me with visitations, right? I don't, under, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I, I do get it. I understand people are, are trusting their church leaders, but but you, I cannot even count on one hand how many times I have gone to visit people, and people just stick hundreds of dollars in cash in your hand, like, hey, here, I, I haven't been to church. Here, can you put this in for me? Okay, and they have to know that if they stick this money in your hand, it's actually going to the offering plate and not to Macy's, okay, (laughs) okay, right? You cannot be a person who uses your office for money because people need to trust that you can manage the the resources that are entrusted to you. Next, in verse (coughs) 9, he says that they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These cannot be people who are in doubt about their faith. Right. If if you're in doubt about your faith, then what are you going to replicate in the people that follow you? Right? You're going to you're going to replicate those same doubts, right? They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Verse 10, one that usually people just really doesn't like. He just flat out says, they first must be tested, and then let them serve. Let them first be tested, and then let them serve. Okay, um, This is a very uh, I- Im- important point. This idea here is that there needs to be ongoing evaluation of the person's character and service by the church, before we put them in office okay um and and this is probably the probably the hardest thing because most people think that if i have the right skills you need to just let me do what i want to do and this is the hardest thing to to help someone see in a volunteer in, in a, a a volunteer organization okay um people think that you know i'm just volunteering you can't hold me to any standards and that's why the upper room just doesn't grow. <laughs> because when they run into the standards, they'd be like, well, I'm just going to the church down the street. They won't just let me do what I want. Like, have fun. You must first be tested, then you get to serve. And what are we testing you on? We're testing you on who you are, not on your abilities to do anything. We're testing you on. Who you are, because character is more important than skill. And I'll prove it to you. Just one example. <clears throat> How many times have you been to church, right? And you go and or you have not been to church. Let's give it a statement. You didn't attend church this um this particular Sunday, and and everybody said, Girl, you missed it. You should have been in church this week. Oh, Pastor preached. Okay. And what do you say? What did he preach on? I don't know. But he sure did preach. I mean, we was all, whoo. I mean, the glory of the Lord was offered. We was all in the floor and stuff. Did you really get anything, though? Because you can have all the skills in the world, right? But skill doesn't change lives. We have, uh, <clears throat> I'll be very careful with this scenario. There was a pastor in Baltimore who had a great church. And the church was growing. Everybody thought, girl, you got to go to this church. I mean, this church is a bomb. Ooh, pastor preaching. Son. How many kids Pastor a guy out that's not by his wife? All over the country. We don't care about all of that, but he sure can't preach. But he sure can't live. (laughs) Now, how in the world am I going to counsel you to be faithful to your wife? And I got five kids by different women all over the country. What do you say to the women in your church? Pastor, my husband is not being faithful. Can you counsel him? <laughs> counsel him to do what? <laughs> You're like, that a boy. Keep it going. I'm like, what, what do you say? You're like, yeah, you should be like me. Don't be doing that. <laughs> right. Character is more important. Let them first be tested. Right? make sure they, that they're living up to the standard, then let them serve. Next, he says they must be blameless. This idea here means that they cannot be held in a criminal sense, meaning that there is no valid accusation of wrongdoing that can be made against them. Now, th- you can be accused of something, but the accusation won't stick. Are you the type of person that when someone accuses you of something, most people be like, mm, I don't th- I don't I don't know if I believe that." I don't, I I have no indication that that person is like that. Or are you the type of person that when they accuse you be like, mm, I can see that." <laughs> okay. Right, they must be blameless, meaning that no accusation can stick against them verse 11 um, let me let's read verse 11 um, real quick so I can give a a little explanation about this <coughs> verse 11 says women right and, and some ver- if you're reading it, reading a, a new King James third version I think it says wives in verse uh, verse 11 um, so women or wives likewise must be. Serious, not slanders, but temperate, faithful in all things. Okay, so what's the issue here? Um, The issue is that the Greek word here can be translated women, but it can also be translated wives. And so there's an interpretation question here. Uh, Is is Paul referring to the wives of the deacons, or is he referring to female deacons? Okay, and so there's a lot of stuff they've been printed about. You know, Paul is not talking to women deacons, he's talking to um, to the wives of male deacons. Um, then on the flip side, people were like, "Well, no, he's talking about women. You know, women who are actually deacons." Okay. Long story short, I'm not going to go into into why I um, view this. Well, two things I, I will say. I I think that Paul is specifically talking about female deacons. Right. He's not just referring to the wives of the deacons. Number one, because he starts verse 11 with likewise. Okay, so just like he gives a list in verse one through seven about the the qualifications for uh, for those who desire to be a bishop, then he says likewise deacons must be serious in verse eight, right? Um, in verse eleven he says likewise, okay, women, right? I think he's talking about female deacons. These are the qualifications that female deacons must possess. Um, number two, the second reason. It would be very odd if if um, he gives qualifications for the wives of deacons. But in verses one through seven, he doesn't give any qualifications for the wives of the pastor of pastors. Why would you have qualifications for the wives of deacons, but no qualifications for the wives of of the of the bishop, elder or pastor? Okay, so. So again, this is not referring to the wives of deacons. This, is in my opinion, is referring to female deacons. Okay, um, he says they must not be slanderers. Okay, they must not be gossips. They 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 can't be people that take people's other per- people's business and spread it around. Okay, confidentiality is very important in church. If I cannot trust you with my business, I'm not. First of all, I'm not going to tell you my business, and second, I'm not going to stay. If I'm telling you private things, and you're just going to spread it to everybody. Okay. Um, not be slanders, they must be temperate, meaning they must be alert, watchful, vigilant, clear-headed. They must be able to think clearly. He says they must be faithful in all things, meaning that they must be absolutely trustworthy in every aspect of their lives and ministry. Verse twelve. I'm gonna stop for a moment and look at this again. <clears throat> he says, "Let deacons be married only once, and let them manage their household and their um their children and their households well." Um, if you were to look up in verses one through seven, he, they also translate this the same way, for um for the bishop. Now again, we talked about this um, briefly in our time as, as a group. I do not agree with the um, the translation here on uh, the new revised standard or um, um, version. I do not agree that it that Paul is saying here that you they must only be married once. Okay, um, I, I think that the New King James Version translation is a better translation. Um, even though you still have to, un- like, interpret, well, what does Paul mean? When the, it, the Greek literally say they must be a one-woman man, must be a one-woman man. Some people take that to mean that they can only be married once, okay? And so, of course, this is what the new Revised Standard um, takes that, that phrase to mean. Um, some people think that it's referring to they must be sexually pure, that you must be devoted and faithful to your spouse, okay? Um, I do not think that it is saying that the person must only be married once. I'm not going to go into all the reasons why, but I do think that that the better argument is on. This is referring to sexual purity. Right. You must be someone who in body and mind is devoted and faithful to your spouse. And it's not saying that. A person who has been divorced and remarried is disqualified from 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 ministry. It is also not saying that a person um, who is single cannot serve in this role. Okay, I, that when I was in seminary, I had this this, um, this older gentleman that um, uh, that was there, and I mean, he was gr- he was a great person, you know, very in, um um knowledgeable of of, of scripture his church would not allow him to become an elder um, because he was single. And they said, well, the Bible says that you must be the husband of one wife. And he he said, if you really think that it means a single person can't be an elder, are you saying that Jesus and Paul could not be elders at our church? I'm just like, this is so absurd, Okay. Okay, so I, I don't think it's referring to marital status at all. I, I believe that he's talking about you must be someone who is sexually pure and faithful. Okay, um, last he says, you must rule your children and your household well. Okay, um, sometimes I think I might be disqualified for this very reason. I'd be like, Lord, these these children, boy, they're gonna embarrass me. I'd be like, I'd be having, I'd be having. I be I be having to take him in the office and jack him up. and Be like, you are not gonna embarrass me before church starts. You go, you better go sit down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, okay. But but his point is, is that you know you should be the same person in church as you are outside of church. And the greatest way that we know who you are, I told you I told you all this before when we went we looking through this passage. Do not look at Janita to judge me. Be like, oh yeah, yeah, she, you know, Pastor must be a good husband. Look how he takes care of his wife. No, you look at my children. Okay, that's what I tell you, you look at my children. Like, she's old enough to fake it. Children cannot fake it. Okay. If you and I said this before, if you want to know who I am, y'all should be like, mm. Like, he must be rebellious. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> right, right. Because we duplicate who we are in our children, right? And 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 oftentimes it has been said, right? When we are spanking our children, we're not really spanking our children. We're trying to spank ourselves out of our children. Like, where'd you learn how to lie? I'm like, when you told me to tell the the the. The man was calling for the that you ain't pay your bills. You're like, tell him my parents not home. My parents not home. They'd be like, yeah, we are. Your mommy home? Shh. You know. But we taught them, we thought we were teaching them that lying was for other people. But then they start lying to us and we got a problem. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they must rule their children and household well because you need to be able to set an example right, in your household. If my family doesn't respect me or listen to anything that I say, why should you? Right? If if I'm living inconsistently at home and my children are like, he he ain't listening, he don't be living the same stuff that he be teaching, like, you know? Right? If, if they don't respect my spirituality and leadership why should you right must rule your children and household well right because you are supposed to set an example for other people okay yeah. um he says verse 13 and I, and I close and I'm done he says for, because the reason that deacons must meet these qualifications is because those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus, right? You, you become a, 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 a pillar in people's eyes, right? You, you gain a great standing or status in people's eyes so that they want to follow you. And you want to make sure that those who are following you are being led in the right direction, right? Jesus says that the blind lead the blind, and both of them fall in a ditch, okay? Now, I don't want to, you know, put people in positions, and then I'll be driving down the street and seeing you all on the side of the road in the ditch, okay? Okay, <laughs> right, so so Paul wants to make sure that those people who are aspiring to these positions right that they they meet the highest qualifications again not perfectly no one is perfect trust me i'm not perfect right um you know and and and, and again you know again i'm not the, i'm not the perfect pastor i'm not the perfect husband i'm not the perfect father okay that's not the the point perfection is not what we are after right What we are after, if I could use another um, quote from from Paul, um, you know, he says, pursue holiness without which no man will see the Lord, okay? It's the, and if you want to love this book by Jerry Bridges, um, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of Holiness, okay? Um, That's the goal. (laughs) The goal is to be pursuing these characteristics in your life. And and all Christians, because if you go and look at these pat at, at all of these qualifications, somewhere in the New Testament, these qualifications are are set of all Christians. Okay, this these are the qualifications that all Christians must be trying to develop in their lives. But those who take office as leaders, they should have these characteristics working in their lives more often than not, right? Because other people are going to follow their example. We got that. Everybody with me? Alright. So I'm finished with that. All right. W- as I said, wanted to take these two Sundays, look at this um at these these passages so that we can prepare ourselves. Um next week we will start with First Corinthians. All right. So you can um can can switch to uh uh, work on reading through First Corinthians. You got to read through First Corinthians how many times? Five times. That's my goal. Five times is get us to all to read through uh, First Corinthians. Um, but what we're, we're going to do is I'm going to have my last meeting with, uh, with this group uh, in the month of December. And after we finish um, our last um, session, that next Sunday, I will um, let you all know the names of, of those that um, I will be nominating um, in, in the process, again, following all of the bylaws, I don't believe that it is right for me to just um, make someone uh, a minister or a deacon. I think that is, as, as Paul um, Paul says, um, is the function of the church. So, um, so I will tell you the group of people that, um, that we are, are making deacons, and then it will be your responsibility to vote on um on on putting them in that position i would never nominate someone that i did not think that the church would vote on um but again i think that that sets accountability for myself um so that i i don't just keep putting people in positions that's going to come back and be like pastor needs a new bentley let's take up an offering (laughs) okay so so it's all you okay it's, it's all you. If, if y'all vote for people that want to buy me a Bentley, I'd be like, Lord, these people are crazy. They ain't learned nothing from me. But I take it. <laughs> and then I'm going to sell it for the money and invest it. <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, um, in January, um, when we have our church meeting in January, we have our church meeting the third Saturday. Every the third Saturday, Saturday of, uh, of January, um, as we, we have each year um i'm gonna ask for a vote on each one of the um one of the people um and and, and here it is it's gonna be secret okay i'm not gonna be like who want to vote for this person and make you raise your hand and everybody be looking like oh that ain't they not voting for them that ain't right okay so it is gonna be secret you know just you know you write vote yes or no put check their name or something like however you how do it but um but you know, if you say if you don't want the person, write no. If you do like the person, write yes. Nobody's gonna know. We're not gonna be like, ooh, I think this Una handwriting. <laughs> okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna, not gonna do that. But again, um, we, we're gonna ask everyone to um to vote. Um, and, and I'm just present at the meeting in January. And, you know. However, what, you know, if, if the numbers are high, we might do it by by Zoom. Okay, Anyway, well, I don't know how we're gonna do it. If we do it by Zoom, cause I'll be we gonna be looking in the chat box, be like, oh, I see that person wrote. But, um, we'll figure it out. Um, and then after, you know, after we take a vote at the church meeting, then we'll work on setting up some type of um, service or something like that to to make it public and official for each person. So that's w- that's what we'll be focused on, um, over the next couple of months. Amen. All right. So, First Corinthians, right? Um. Chapters one through sixteen, right? Read all of them five times, and uh, I promise you, once you read through First Corinthians, you'll be like, if These people could be considered Christians." I have hope. <laughs> okay. Okay. First uh, Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, in my opinion, is the the most practical um, uh, uh, books that Paul wrote. Okay. So if you want to know what was the New Testament church like. First Corinthians is for you. You had Christians suing each other. You had you know people fighting over over positions. Who's the best apostle? Um, you know you had one person that was you know was was having a relationship with his mother in law, and then everybody else was like, "We too spiritual to ask him to stop." What's wrong with you, Paul? <laughs> okay, they, they 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 had it all. Okay, so so the church of Corinth is every church in America. Okay, and so we're going to look at well, what are the practical things that Paul says? How how is the church supposed to grow and maintain its witness uh, with with all of these issues going on, right? So, working way through First Corinthians, we'll start that on next Sunday. All right, let's stand on our feet. Don't forget we aren't um, we aren't going to be uh, passing out bulletins or anything like that. Um, you know, your offering envelopes on your seat. You can drop it in the basket in the back if you want to. Um, or you can still, you know, give online, but um, we won't be passing things out. We will have um, daily breads next Sunday. Okay, so we'll we'll have those on your seats when you come in, so that we don't pass anything out. Um, so um, be ready for that. I know that that uh, the new ones start. Hmm. We should have had that. We should have had that out today, December first. Well, you could catch up. Alright. Just read like five of them. In one day, and catch up. <laughs> all right, um, we'll, we'll have those out for you all uh, next week. All right? Um, we will see you all on Wednesday for a Bible study. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. All right. If don't sit down, don't sit down. If you, well, you can sit down. <laughs> all right. Um, if you had a birthday in the month of November, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Anybody All right. All right, we got Robin, Sanaa, India. India was um, Junior, okay. Gavin, Tanya Taylor, I think we have them. All right, let's sing Happy Birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday, everybody. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. All right. All right. Good. We hope we hope you all had uh, great birthdays. All right. And um, we hope you have, have many more. All right. And um, again, we hope everybody had a, a, a great Thanksgiving. All right. Don't forget gluttony is a sin as y'all go home and eat those leftovers. All right. But um, again, we want to um, uh, remind you that we will be having Bible study on uh, Wednesday night. So um, I'll be sending out the link for that. And um, um, we'll see you next Sunday. Ready to to work our way through first Corinthians. Right. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. For it is now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a fist bump before you go.